Welcome to A Moment with Modern Mentors, a podcast series by Digital Collective Co, where we soak up wisdom, anecdotes, and actionable tips from Australian startups, female founders, business leaders, industry pioneers, and C-suite executives. Hey, my name is Andy Walsh, Business Director at Secret Sounds. My love and passion is helping brands make music experiences fantastic. I've had a great chat today with Mia, so have a listen. hope you enjoy Hi, it's Mia from A Moment with Modern Mentors. And this week on the podcast, I'm interviewing Andy Walsh. He is a digital marketing strategist. He's got 20 years of global experience and he is now the business director at Secret Sounds Connect, which is the agency for Splendor in the Grass. And this week... They are just about to go into their festival weekend called Splendor XR. It's the 24th and 25th of July. It's being headlined by the killers. It's all online. So if you're in Sydney or Melbourne and going into a COVID lockdown, don't worry. Your weekend is sewn up for you. They are headlining with the killers. There's churches. There's Khalid, there's so many artists. You just have to jump online and have a look, buy a ticket. They're super affordable and it's a two-day event. You can have your own Splendor party at home. It's not the same as the real thing in terms of being out in the paddock, but it's the next best closest thing. They've spent months and months in the planning to get all of the technology and the artists on board. There's an immersive experience where you can actually have an avatar set up and go wandering through the fields of Splendor like you were in the real live location. Andy does a great job through this podcast of talking all about his experience, helping brands bring digital innovation to life in the music space, working with artists and brands on unique ideas. It's fascinating. Stay tuned and enjoy. Hi, Andy Walsh. Thank you so much for joining us on A Moment with Modern Mentors. It's a pretty exciting interview today because it's in the lead up to Splendor XR weekend. Tell us about you and how you landed this awesome gig and and what your gig is at Splendor. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been um, in the game of music and brands for probably getting close to 20 years, it's a long time. And as a music lover from a young age, this path wasn't something I naturally went after, but it sort of came my way and was lucky enough to build a career in sort of merging my social life and my professional life into one. And I've worked on Splendor for the first time, would have been 2000 and let's say 10 and I was working, representing a couple of clients, got to know the crew pretty well, and then did some time in New York with my own business, and then came back to Australia, and Christy, the MD, and I were chatting, and, and everything sort of worked out really perfectly for me to come in at a time where the business was growing, turning into what is now a very traditional creative agency that service brands who are looking to enter this space. That's so quite unique in Australia, which is the thing that probably appealed to me most in how you sort of take something that's so iconic in Australia but then fuse it with a more traditional way of creative advertising agencies and campaigns for brands that run the full gamut of paid media, content, experience, talent, et cetera, um, and have that rigor around it, which is the thing that for most brands that they're sort of always looking to quantify and qualify about how does it stack up. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got your background and I think you need to dig into a little bit more about what has led you and and the jobs and roles you've been doing. But really, everything you've done up until this point has perfectly landed you into this nirvana of the splendor give us your hi i'm andy walsh spiel yeah absolutely so i've been lucky in a way and i think it's been a little bit through my attitude but always pushing innovation in marketing in how brands can show up and specifically in the music space of course but i think sort of my combination of skills is very much around that tech innovation space and how you can bring people into environments in new ways 
how you take creative experiences out to bigger audiences. And I think for what I'm doing right now is is exactly that. It's taking what people love and know in music festivals and Splendor XR is a great example where entertainment has changed and you know that trajectory was already happening from a digital point of view. And I think my my strength and you know my job is primarily in brand strategy. It's helping understand audiences, it's understanding brands and their own ecosystem and finding really sort of creative solutions for how they plug in and make that space even more interesting and entertaining. Because your role is a brand role, right? So you do all the brand deals between, you know, the Tinders and the Red Bulls and Splendor in the grass. And obviously this is Splendor XR. So Splendor XR is happening this weekend, 24th, 25th of July, and it's all online so it's an AR experience or virtual reality experience it's end-to-end so you can watch on your mobile phone right through to a full immersive VR experience so you know all devices at home it's web-based pretty friendly as far as your tech ability you don't need to be VR nerd to sort of (laughs) dig in it's sort of but that is going to be the most amazing experience where it feels like you're walking around the Splendor site in real life Amazing. So I'm going to be logging in. I bought my tickets today. Log in. It's up on my screen and then I can literally walk through the fields of Splendour. Yeah, 100%. You'll, <laughs> you'll have the old heartbreak hill to get back to the Golden View Bar. Very familiar. This time you won't be as puffed. You can you know grab a drink up there. You can see the full stage of the amphitheatre. The aesthetic design is very different. It's quite ethereal and almost like psychedelic in ways that you'll see those giant mushrooms, for example. Um, in a space you know i think adding that slight contrast as far as reflecting the digital environment that separates it from the physical north byron parklands was really important too yeah and i mean getting brands involved in a in such a kind of different type of brand experience how have you gone about that kind of negotiation obviously you've got lots of long-term relationships and existing kind of trust there but what's involved in that kind of getting people to understand something that isn't able to be demonstrated probably live. What, what do you, how do you bring that to life? Yeah. And we always um, start with the audience first. And I think, you know, the, we did a custom piece of research called love song in 2019. We're about to do another dip. It was 10,000 people going deep on their behavior in music, but also financial, you know, lifestyle, social things. And for us, it's always starting with them. It's like, what, what do they do? How do they spend their time through COVID? What's changed for them? How do we make sure that we show up and be additive to that space? So thinking about that first and then looking at the category from the brand, who are their competitors? You know, what's their role? How do they communicate? current creative platforms and putting that all into a pot and just going, okay, here's where you can genuinely add value and play a role and think about how you make yourself relevant in that space. And when you sort of make it a linear process like that, like you start to find those windows where you go, yeah, we can actually show up here and be someone that adds that experience. And whether that's at a home you know, with cocktail packs, we've got great partnership with Jimmy Brings. Red Bull are working with those guys to get Smirnoff Red Bull delivered to your door all weekend. So, you know, there's ways that you sort of just take what's happening already with, you know, direct consumer mentality, like e-commerce platforms and fuse it with that sort of traditional thing that you'd expect at a music festival. Because, I mean, as you're talking about kind of your audience and your research piece, and I was thinking back to how probably when we first knew each other back in the Sound Alliance days, this is something that as a rep, when I was working in the record companies, we used to like love having Sound Alliance come in with their research piece. We'd be like, finally, someone's going to tell us about the audience that's actually got some fact associated with it. But it sounds like you're still doing a lot of research now. Is this something that you've kind of pulled through your career? Is it something that you kind of shape? And tell us a little bit about that. 
Totally. I, I see myself as a bit of a, a torch carrier of sorts, like an ambassador of the industry that I know and love because I think particularly in the last 18 months through COVID, the, the more that we can have brands helping support that industry in a way that keeps artists creating the music that we all love and listen to all the time, but also thinking about innovation in that space. So I think the more that you know about the audience, the more that you're empowered to give confidence to brands who are wanting to invest that this is not the sort of, you know, the trashy, poor consumer that sometimes music consumers get plugged into as a bucket. They're actually the most influential audience that you'll meet across any category. They have high yield. They spend a lot of money and they network more than anyone else so it's like it's utopian world as far as the, the people you can talk to it's just thinking about the way in and do it in the best way possible because you know that takes a little bit of time and nurture yeah so are you able to kind of share any of the campaign and partnerships that you've got or is it all under wraps until the weekend uh there's been some that's already out so we're working mood agent which is a new music streaming service in australia Amazing to sort of, you know, have someone new in that space here taking on the Apples and the Spotify's of the world. So with them, it was very much around brand awareness. So they've actually got a cool little pop-up record store in platform. So people will be able to visit that and click on that and get the chance to get a free trial of the product. We're creating some beautiful artist content with them. So a series of sort of behind the scenes interviews with artists who are playing the bill. And we're digging into the emotional power of music and getting artists take on what is it about that? Because that's very much a key product for the brand is using your emotions to guide what music that they feed you from an algorithm point of view. So super excited to see that go live. We're working with Nike as part of the new Hirachi release that just hit market on the 15th. They've got a cool little in-platform experience with Hugh, which is their little mascot that they had in the Hirachi campaign years ago. So that's a partnership with Nike and JD Sports. There's a major promotion they're doing in retail and online for that shoe. So it's just tapping into a cultural moment for them. You know, that's who their audience is. It's thinking about, okay, what's happening through this window now, where are their audience going to be? What are they going to be doing? And plugging them in at the right place at the right time. In terms of a captive audience, you couldn't have really asked for a better time to have a Splendor XR released. When I was talking to Christy a few weeks ago about it, it was before we had the lockdown. And I think that, you know, it was kind of like, well, we don't know how it's going to go. But now it's kind of like almost, well, you're going to go really well because people are home they need something to do. So it's a perfect time. How has sales met your expectations? Have you been surprised? Is there anything kind of telling in there? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's such a different sales cycle. Like Splendor, we're selling out 50,000 tickets in under an hour, hour and a half. So it's sort of like that, that's just a moment in time and like there's a lot of anxiety that goes into... <laughs> On sale. Yeah, totally. It's a whole thing about who's buying tickets, having the cash, all that planning. This is a much sort of, I guess, build up momentum as far as sort of thinking about what you've got on because price points is pretty accessible. So at $30, you know, you're normally paying, you know, $400 for a Splendor ticket for three days. Now, when you've got, if you consider 54 bands who are playing over two days with a calibre of Khaled, who's I think number eight most streamed artist on Spotify right now, like Killers, one of the most iconic sort of rock bands of, you know, the last sort of probably 15 years, like bands that would sell out arena shows, you know, $30 entry ticket is amazing. So I think, you know, we're already seeing now that the build-up to this weekend and the growth in web traffic and ticket sales, et cetera, to something that's going to be pretty exciting. I think, you know, in platform, people are going to have their minds blown. Just the ability 
to walk around in a 3D world as an avatar and chat to other people. And that was, you know, Jess, who's our co-CEO, her vision was very much not being a live stream, but creating a community. Music is a community and it's part of that rite of passage. If you want to go to a music festival, you want to be able to connect with a lot of people, strangers, friends, all those things, the random stories that become legend amongst friends for generations, right? So how's that all going to work? I mean, you were saying before about like connecting via Zoom and interact in the VR world, but are they going to be, you're saying you could go through in avatars. Can you actually meet some of your friends in the experience? Yeah, you can. Yeah. So uh, I was talking more so as far as like other people that are watching. It's almost like the, the gong box type thing. I'm sort of watching other people watching the broadcast, their reaction. You'd map your set time. So I could say to you, let's go and see the killers. Let's go and see Pink Sweats. And you'd meet up at a point and say, like, you know, let's go back corner pole of the mix-up pen and then go and hang out in that spot and see Pink Sweats together. Is there a gold bar? That's what everyone's asking. (laughs) Interesting. The the gold bar does exist, but it's just a a bar. But, again, through Jimmy Brings, they service 80% of Australia. So as far as tapping into something that gets delivered to your door in 30 minutes, now you can get... All your favourites from Smirnoff and Captain Morgan to Byron Bay Brewery, Red Bull, like all these great products delivered to your door. It sort of feels like you're getting, you know, almost a VIP experience just by nature of everything delivered to your doorstep at home. Oh, totally. I saw when I was buying the tickets that there was many of the party packs actually had sold out. Is that because it's just literally been there's some kind of VIP ticket associated with that? How does that all work? Or is it just getting a bit close to the date? Totally. And it all comes back to that emotional connection of all the things that you get at a festival. And you know the, the diehards that will wear their wristbands for <laughs> years and years and years and they just don't come off. But, <laughs> you know, like for those things like having the festival cup to having a wristband and some of the things that just create that. And we know that people are going to be creating elaborate backyard experiences and, you know, obviously COVID safe, but having... Now, if they can have friends over to their backyard, have a big screen, you know, get the esky set up with all the right products, et cetera, like having the cups and those things in the party packs, all those things just make it feel like it is something that we're all sort of craving to get back to. So it's this isn't a stopgap. This is sort of like the future of music festivals or live music in a way, in a new breed of music festivals, but also a great way to sort of keep the good vibes strong when people are lacking that in their lives right now. Have you have you kind of modelled this off other festivals around the world or is, I mean, I get the sense that it's quite unique in, in the style of the AR, VR experience, but how did you kind of have the confidence to do this in such a grand scale? Yeah, I think there's, there's been things that have happened. The weekend did a really big AR piece. It was really highly produced. So did Billie Eilish. Jess, you know, has some healthy conversations with their teams and understanding the model and, you know, theirs was a one-off experience with with one band. Tomorrowland did one out of Belgium and that was very different. It was sort of, you know, those festivals from a dance point of view, very focused, probably more so on the music and not as much as on the experience. And again, taking learnings from what they've done. But I think for us, it's, it's very much taken the strength of Splendor is, which is the calibre of artists, the depth of artists, the programming, but all the other experience, because it's not just that. We've got a TP Forest, we've got the Global Village, the Forum Tent. So, like, you know, Dr. Carl's featuring the program. We've got an amazing stand-up comedy program. So all the things, even for the kids, Little Splendor, you know, you mm. can throw your kids in front of it if you're a little bit hungover. You know, they can be <laughs> entertained as well. So it's sort of all those little sort of special touches that I think make it unique. So it's taking what's happened globally and the trend of live streaming and commercialising that and making that a ticketed event versus free, which has been 
the history so far. But once people see the platform, they're going to see where that money has gone and that investment has gone because it's just a world that you, it's really hard to describe unless you're actually in there yourself. Mm-hmm. So you've got it launching in three days' time on Saturday and then it will be also featuring on Sunday. And is there a lot of production that goes live with it or is it very much pre-produced and then it's delivered on the day over a time period? Like how does it actually work? There's definitely it's a bit of a fusion of both. So as far as, you know, pre-production, obviously having that many artists from a live stream point of view presents a lot of technical challenges. It's, it's a lot to take on. So from a quality control point of view, there's been you know, a lot working with artists in production in advance. But the experience itself is obviously live. So when they go on, it's set time just per usual. Fans are there in real time, sort of all together side by side. So it's sort of bringing both of those together. Awesome. So the lineup is pretty epic. How did you manage to get them all across the line? Like how is it, has it been quite easy? Has it been relatively straightforward to get it done or a lot of hard work? <laughs> Me personally, not as close to talent booking side of it. I'm in the loop as far as, you know, as things progressed and we started to lock down artists. I think there's definitely for bands, it's sort of understanding how they're going to be presented. I think the key thing and they obviously know us and the Splendor brand and the quality of what we can do. And that's a great way to start a conversation. I think it's one sort of understanding, yeah, how they'll be presented, but two, from a creative point of view, how they're going to present themselves. Because obviously they need to think about that in context of a digital platform versus live on stage. So it's just a different lens. So I think that there's naturally a little bit of iteration that goes back and forth on getting to a point where you sort of have a clear position on what you're doing. So it's not just a straight up booking. For a band, so I think that you know those things are obviously a variable in doing that, and you know I definitely encourage you to check out Church's set on the weekend. I can't tell you too much, but from what I know, as far as the technology and what they're doing, it's going to be a definitely a special one to see. Okay, awesome. This is kind of leading quite nicely into a question I wanted to ask you, which was, what are you excited about? This is obviously, you know, laying the future right here in music, but what are you excited about for the future? Because now that you've done this, what's next? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, come Monday, be a lot of catching breath a little bit after very big build up and a busy period. But as far as this, like Jess's vision, you know, I don't want to speak on behalf of her, but it's it's not a stopgap. It's something that is what we see as a great way to innovate the festival space. And you know, we love festivals in real life. It's I'm craving to be back at one. And like, there's a moment of like nostalgia almost now. Thinking would be on site and drinking strummer cocktails and having that full splendor experience with so many like-minded people. Um, I, I don't. You can ever replace that sort of human connection of being there together. But I think what this does, though, is allows us to sort of bring different people who maybe sat on tickets or people looking for a different experience. You know, I'm at a vintage now where you know, I'm a little bit older and like as a young punter, like camping with a bunch of mates, wouldn't think twice about it. Now <laughs> camping, I'm like, oh, don't want to do that at the end of the night. So glamping. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think fusing those together where you get to see the, the calibre of some of the best, you know, international indie bands in the world and the comfort of your own home with friends having a dinner party and going to your own bed. It just extends the relevance and reach of what we're doing. And I think the connection piece that happens in the platform, if you want to go all in with an avatar, you know, you can still meet people and still have that complete unique thing. But I think it's going to be really interesting to get that dynamic feedback of how people interact in the platform, what bands they see, you know, that connection that's formed and then where that goes to from there will be a really fun session to sort of get into. 
Yeah, totally. And and kind of back to what you were saying about audience, has it been interesting to see the kind of people that have, A, you know, you've modelled it on, but who are buying tickets? Has it been kind of the same people that you expected or has it been a broader audience for XR? I actually don't know the ticket data as far as ticket purchases, so I can't speak to it. But I think it'll be really interesting to interrogate that you know, again, look at the killers. I remember 2009 V-Fest I worked on where they headlined and, you know, that's 12 years ago. That was a case and that, you know, for people that love them then, they would still love them now. So naturally, like we've had the Cure play Splendor, so been around for a long time. So I think that we're always going to have that broad age demo. The splits on that will be interesting to sort of see what this represents. And even for teenagers that for a lot of them that have seen Travis Scott in Fortnite, so these types of things, like that, that is entertainment for them. And, you know, like the physicality hasn't happened yet probably, but even a younger demo of people that can potentially get exposed to Splendour and, and get a sense of what a festival's like, you know, in real life and when they can go when they're old enough. And so what do you think about VR and the future of virtual reality and augmented reality in our everyday? Do you think it's kind of something that's going to become more and more something that we are exposed to in our daily life? How do you, how do you see that working? Yeah, it's interesting. Like the VR piece has been gaming skewed so far as far as what that looks like. Cultural moments in VR definitely sort of getting pick up and Facebook have, you know, a VR arena now. So like they need to have a broad range of programming and content that lives in there. So you know, you're reading the press about what they're up to in that space. There's naturally going to be money spent in getting content and investing in content and making that accessible because the VR experience naturally leans to at home you know, having the gear on your on your head or something you can just carry in your pocket. I think from an AR point of view, I think we're already seeing some really fun examples of how you can sort of use your mobile phone to turn physical environments into hybrid digital environments and the things you can add from an art point of view to entertainment point of view to even practical things to sort of find your way around. We did a, a little test at Splendor 2019, which was a Find My Tent really fun way to sort of drop a pin on your tent so like you actually hold up your screen and as you get closer the distance gets shorter you know <laughs> in the vibration if that gets bigger you know you need to turn around and head the other way so it's like things like that which are just a lot of fun very valuable <laughs> yeah so it feels like that ar is more accessible and you see it already with the social platforms like instagram etc that are doing that kind of native plugin on ar but it feels like that like all that's happened in the last 18 months has escalated a lot of attention and focus and you're seeing people that are now trying to find ways to have platforms and things that's sort of stacking up in traditional sort of content world. Yeah, no, totally. And so, I mean, back to our question about what are you excited about for the future? Is that what you're excited about or is there something that you're seeing that we haven't seen yet? I don't think there's anything secret in the, in the can that I'm sitting on, but I, I think what we're seeing though is, is that, now that analysis of brands in or artists, both of them in social media, that relationship and what's required to sort of stand out. And TikTok's been interesting as, you know, that hybrid model of entertainment and social media. It, it feels very different where, you know, they've just recently gone out to, I think it's three minutes you can do now content-wise on TikTok. So that algorithm of like a Netflix where it feeds you content that you like, it's very different than a social media platform based upon your network. So I think as far as how music plugs into that and how you consume music, I think there's a lot. Like the track length, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. The rights conversation gets interesting in that. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? Exactly. I'm sure that they're being had. 
Yeah, so I wanted to kind of like switch it up a little bit and just ask you a little bit about your personal views on things. You're seeing a lot of technology and uptake and obviously you're right in the media and music and entertainment world. What are the kind of things that you like to see or you'd like to see change or happen over the course? Maybe it's the music industry, maybe it's just a completely different kind of idea, but are there things that you're observing and in your career and your life today you're starting to, to see that you'd like changed? Yeah, I, I think that for me, that, and it's probably a little bit of a market restriction rather than a change, but I, I have a business in New York and I was there for nearly five years and the ability to innovate, to just change the way that art and entertainment and music sort of come to life was available and accessible and brands having, I guess, the passion and the foresight to, to think about you know, how that can be something that reflects who they are and, and builds relationships with an audience that are going to be loyal customers in the future. I think it was definitely, a not wouldn't say eye-opening, but it was definitely a change in pace in Australia to come here and, and look at what's happening. And we've got some great partners, like don't get me wrong, who are doing really interesting things in the space. But, you know, how do we actually start to push what entertainment means? We've got this amazing startup world in Australia now. We've seen all these great tech brands come to life and it's become you know really aspirational and for some people like literally throwing themselves into it so it's you know how do we find a community of people that can come together and sort of innovate in a tech world help artists connect in new ways but also help brands find new ways to engage as well because i think putting focus on that sort of intersection of where those things come together is something that i'd love to see happen more because it feels like all the right ingredients are there it just needs a focus and attention to make it happen would you say that Australia just is a little bit risk averse? Is that the limitation or what is it that holds us back? I think there's probably some realities from a marketing point of view as far as the task at hand and where you can sort of like some of that stuff could probably be seen as discretionary marketing spend rather than critical part of the mix. So I think that, you know, by nature of that, you're not going to have the scale of investment. But I think that like we know, because man, we live it and breathe it, but you know, entertainment touches everyone, like even non-commercial radio to streaming services or from a music point of view, like you touch the, the bulk of the population in Australia. There's not much else, like probably nothing else in Australia that has that scale. Yeah. So for me, it's not niche. It, it's I think the opportunity is there. So it's just how do you take steps towards that? And do you find yourself kind of pushing brands into boundaries that they're a little bit uncomfortable with and having to kind of pull it back in each year, your trust builds and you kind of can go in more directions, but, you know, compared to say when you're working for your agency in New York, you can get more away because people are kind of willing to try things. Maybe it's cheaper to get them up and running as well. Yeah, I think that it's like our job is to obviously creatively and technically, you know, push things as far as we can, but we do that with an informed lens of mm. historic success where brands have had, you know, like great results. And, you know, you do that by being thorough in the planning, but also being clear on what success looks like. Very important to make sure everyone knows where you're going to and how you review that sort of objectively. And it's not just a big dream and a big idea that has no sort of end game. That's part of it. And like naturally that process, like any creative process with, a, you know, where you have an agency and brand working together, you know, you have to build trust, you have to iterate, you have to find, you know, the right place where everyone's comfortable on what that is. And you know, our job is to sort of give the quality control piece and the client's job is to make sure that it meets objectives and the things that they're trying to achieve as well. And, you know, we always find a happy result and we have a great success of retaining amazing brands. We've been working with Diageo for 15 years. I think that speaks a lot to the importance of this space and a trusted relationship. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just the ability to continue to innovate within a space that, you know, has an audience that A, is very kind of savvy, but also, you know, a little bit fickle potentially in when they see something and they've exhausted it, then they need to move on. So you need to be constantly keeping up. Is there anything that you've launching or you're launching this year that you're particularly kind of proud of or feel particularly excited about? Yeah, we we just did a campaign and I always feel this is like walking on eggshells, like choosing one over another one. But I think with this, it's a small campaign in the sense of scale of things that we have done typically, but we work with heaps normal, 0% beer. Like their whole mission is really important and powerful as far as giving people a choice. It's something that I wouldn't have considered, but you now I can speak quite openly that I'm very much a loyal person now and I don't think it's an age thing. I think it's just nice to feel like you're enjoying a beer, but you don't have to worry about consequences afterwards. But for them, a lot of what they were doing was brand education and storytelling. And they're very focused on, they've got a few verticals and music is one of those. And I think musicians historically have always had this kind of very like tense relationship with, with alcohol. It can be a good thing and a bad thing. And that's like applies to anyone. But if you're an entertainer, it feels like it's probably around you more often than the most in that world. So this story was looking at artists and actually going deep into what their normal is. And we know that normal for everyone's very different, but we created these sort of really beautiful in-depth stories with Psycho and also Kite String Tangle. Each of their stories was looking at what are the things that they do, you know, and Psycho summed it up beautifully as far as like her as a human versus her as an artist and the ability to separate those two. And I think she's only 19, like a level of maturity that's insane at 19. You know, I had no idea as far as <laughs> being so eloquent and self-aware on who I was. I was just in the moment and didn't think too much of it. But how she separated herself as an artist, it's very like the strength of mental health and character to be able to think about that and telling that story with the help of a brand that just wanted to tell that story in a genuine way. And it went, and it went so well. It was like short video content, portrait style. But for us to think about being a partner in that and helping, you know, create that story in a way that wasn't a festival program, but added to, you know, a really interesting conversation that young people have. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about, you know, you as a human, kind of some of the things that are important to you and obviously things, you know, like this exact example, especially as we have all been living through COVID, a lot of mental health discussions come up, you know, young people obviously having a very different kind of youth to what we had where we had complete freedom, not even just through COVID, but, you know, they are restricted to being home and, you know, clubs close at 12 o'clock. We, we never had any of that. So they're very much growing up in a different environment and obviously Splendor having been around for such a long time and, you know, how do you feel as a person you've seen things evolve? Are you, are you feeling quite proud of how the, the brands are all evolving as well? Yeah, so I think the way that brands are now thinking about how they relate to their audiences that they want to market to, it feels like very much a two-way conversation more than ever. And it's that it's listening actively it's understanding what's important to people and actually, you know, finding that as an opportunity to tell a story that may not have otherwise been on the table. And I think there's something very human about that and like self-reflection that I'm sure has driven that for a lot of people in their own lives and having to assess what's important, probably make tough decisions in the last 18 months. And I think that goes down that path. And for us, we encourage that because I feel that the music community in particular definitely embrace that as a lifestyle in the way that they're doing it. So it's sort of, yeah, it's in a really healthy place and we're you know, very excited to have a festival going live this weekend, but, you know, the return of festivals in the future and live music and we're not out of the woods yet and that's 
a very tense spot and sort of sour spot for a lot of people too. Yeah, and I suppose there's going to be a lot of change just in the kind of confidence and mental health impacts on young people who maybe don't feel as confident as they might have felt had they been able to have the freedom kind of continuously. Look, this has been awesome, but we're going to have to wrap up soon. And I just wanted to ask you a couple of little personal things. Like, so, you know, life-changing book and podium. If you had a podium and you wanted to talk about something really important to you personally, those two questions are the last two that before we wrap up, but you take them in your order. And I'm not sure if you're prepared for them or not. So you might need some thinking. <laughs> this is probably the easiest question oh. that I'll do. Like it's, it's like literally I had a moment that was like this, this kind of major sort of, I don't know what I call it. It's not quite an epiphany, but it was something for me, a book called The Resilience Project which is Hugh Van Kydenberg. I'm sure I butchered his last name. He's from <laughs> Melbourne. He was a primary school teacher and went on his own little sort of life journey and sort of became really aware. He's just an observational kind of analytical kind of guy and looking at why people were happy and what the things in their life about how they had genuine happiness. And this is going to the slums in India, to suburbs in Melbourne and finding these common patterns. And the Resilience Project has this acronym and it kind of touches on your second question as well. It's GEM, which is gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness. And it's not his. I think it's it's something that's kind of common. But as far as having things in your life as a philosophy that you can live by and improve your own personal life, but also improve those around you. And that, that one book for me, it led to a podcast of his called The Imperfects, which he does with Ryan Shelton, which is, again, an amazing listen on that. I've met all these other people, unless I met, have been introduced to from a digital point of view or books. So I've now got pile of 10 books and about 20 different podcasts that I'm working my way through that are all around self-improvement. And I think that what it motivated me to do, I'm now giving back a lot. So I'm volunteering for things. I'm using knowledge that I've acquired over a long career to help young artists as an example in a program called Your Favourite Team in Brisbane, which is just giving them insight information to keep them motivated and educated on being an artist so they can keep entertaining. And I think in that for me, it's it's what I would sing from, from if I had a podium, you know, yeah. gratitude is beautiful. I have a journal, write down the things from, you know, having power, shelter, food, water in your life to having good friends, to having a job, you know, things that we take for granted. Empathy is a, like a life motto. Having empathy is beautiful and mindfulness. Like I meditate every day, sometimes twice a day. And like, I've never been happier. Like <laughs> even through the most wow. stressful things in the world, like it's, I'm radiating now. And I think that that was a turning point for me. When did you read the book? Uh, it'd probably be before Christmas, probably eight months ago, nine months ago. Wow. And you've noticed a radical change? Oh, 100%. Wow. Okay. Well, we're, we're, that's going on the book list for sure. Yeah, it's a good cool. one. People think yeah. I'm actually getting a clip of sales. I, I talk so <laughs> much about this book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's fine. Uh, for Andy, it's been absolutely awesome talking to you. It's been fantastic hearing all about Splendor XR this weekend. I am going to be there. I'm so super excited about it, probably with a, a blender full of margaritas. Any Anything else you wanted to talk about before you jump off? I don't think so. I think for Splendor XR, we're super stoked. It's actually on Friday midday. We're opening the platform up for 24 hours for free. So people can get a bit of a tester and walk around and get a sense of what it is before doors or gates open, digital gates open at two on Saturday. So I think for me, I'd encourage everyone to have a look around and, you know, while we're all locked in, there's nothing more powerful than than live music to sort of, to lift the spirits. So. And who's your top pick in terms of artists for the weekend? 
Oh, that's big. Well, churches I caught out before. I'm just curious from a technology point of view on their set. Killers as well. You know, there's new music in some of those artists, which is always interesting, like collabs. Yeah. Bands I've not seen live before. Phoebe Bridges, amazing sort of vocalist. So, you know, right down to Wafia, like, you know, like other bands sort of down the bill, like it's, it runs pretty deep. So, um, yeah, pretty excited. And what about in terms of top tips on brand activations? Which one should we keep an eye out for them? They're all fantastic. Equally. <laughs> but I think one of the things that will be, I, I think, compelling and impressive and very familiar is Smirnoff the Wild. So we've recreated the two-story Wilds nightclub for Smirnoff in a platform. So same style of music, the same Smirnoff experience. So pretty exciting. But, yeah, yeah it's going to be a lot of fun. Fantastic. Oh, well, thank you very much. And yeah, we look forward to the weekend and seeing this go from strength to strength. And then obviously getting back out to the real splendor too. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you subscribe to our channel and stay tuned for more episodes from A Moment with Modern Mentors coming your way soon.